Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Leftovers? Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello Cleveland, we have officially sounded the alarm on another 1085 Great Iron Victory Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. As always, I got my co-host Jack Curry running with me today. How are you doing today, Jack? Doing well, man. It's our third straight win. It's only our second straight victory uh, pod, because last week we didn't we weren't able to sit down and do one, but life is good. The Browns are on a roll, man. Yeah, last week uh I'll take full blame and responsibility for that one. I got pretty darn sick, and uh, I was not in any kind of uh, mood or shape to do a podcast. So uh, we'll probably more likely discuss all the Pittsburgh stuff later this week with us playing them again next Sunday. But what we want to do is we want to break down this 41-24 Cleveland Browns victory over the Miami Dolphins today. And, Jack, let's just get right into it. Because the Browns started off this game uh, on fire. Uh, the offense got the ball, went right down the field, put it in for six. Uh, it started with a 32-yard screen pass to Nick Chubb. And then from there, Baker connected with Jarvis Landry from seven yards out for the touchdown. And it just began a, a string of offensive possessions in the first half where the, the Browns were – able to move the ball at ease, and you could really see the talent disparity between the Browns offense and a really, really bad Miami Dolphins team. Yeah, I mean, we all knew coming into this game that Miami, you know, they have some talent, but they've depleted a lot of their roster, especially on the defensive side, you know, trading Minka Fitzpatrick, Obviously, uh, Rashad Jones and Xavier Howard are both out uh, for the rest of the year. Aqib Talib, who they acquired at the deadline, still hasn't played for him. He's on injured reserve as well. So you knew that you know Baker Mayfield and you know the, all the talent around him would be able to just pick apart their defense. And like you said, right from the onset, you know that opening screenplay to Chubb. And then they were just able to pick them apart on that opening drive. You know, Baker would be able to roll out and be able to find, you know, Landry a couple times and then obviously connected with them in the end zone. So, you know, they set the tone early on offense and, you know, it just kept going all day. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, the huge benefactor in today's game was Jarvis Landry. He finished with 10 catches for 148 yards and two touchdowns. And for him, uh, this week he said it was a really big game heading to Miami. Obviously the team that traded him to the Browns 
what did you make from his performance today? And, uh, you know, he just seemed to be the ringleader in all of this. And you could tell that he was extra motivated. Oh, no doubt. You know, we always talk about, you know, revenge games. And I guarantee, you know, Landry woke up today and said, and probably all week felt like I'm going to make this team pay. You know, they traded him to Cleveland for barely anything. And, you know, you heard the quotes like they sent me to have my career die, essentially. That's what he said when they traded him to Cleveland. And, you know, we all know Landry is talented. And, you know, this was by far his best game as a Brown. And, you know, it seemed like every time Baker threw it to him, Jarvis made a play. And, you know, whether it was a quick slant or down the field, like Landry was dominant today. Like he set the tone early offensively and everybody else followed suit. And, you know, as much crap as he gets on Twitter, uh, Jarvis Landry proved today that he was worth that $14, $15 million. Uh, Regardless of what some people think, you know, Landry is definitely talented. I think after today's game, he's in the top 10 in receiving yards, and he's well on his way to another 1,000-yard season. So, uh, you know, just a great all-around game by Landry. And then uh, with that, you know, Beckham joined in on the fun as well. Yeah, you know, his his LSU running mate, uh, now Cleveland Brown, uh, Odell Beckham, also joined in. He had six catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Uh, there was even a trick play that uh, if they didn't bobble uh, the handoff, uh, o- uh, Jarvis Landry would have had a clear touchdown pass to Odell Beckham. And, and you know, this was the game to kind of uh, break it out in, uh, especially with the huge lead that the Browns got early. Uh, but, you know, those two guys today really stepped up and, you know, against a team that, you know, they've had so many people injured. Uh, and they've been bringing in defensive backs all, off the street all year long. And you could tell that these two guys specifically uh, just a- attacked that secondary all day long. And that was pretty much the, the game plan from Freddie Kitchens was to attack the secondary because uh, those two guys combined with Baker Mayfield's effort today uh, just were absolutely phenomenal. There's really no other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, coming in – like I said, you know, Howard's out, Jones is out, you know, Fitzpatrick's obviously in Pittsburgh, Tlaib's out, um, you know, Nick Needham, who coming in was a top five rated rookie uh, by pro football focus, but, you know, Beckham and Landry just toyed with their secondary all day long, like the touchdown that Beckham had, and you know, if you go back and watch, he was wide open on one side, Higgins is wide open on the other side, and Baker was able to just connect and you know sometimes the timing with him and Beckham has been off it was perfect today on that touchdown throw um obviously there's a couple that you know Baker would like back including the interception but you know he seemed he is getting into a groove definitely with Landry and Beckham as well and uh those guys were just dominant all day they and Baker even said he goes we don't really look at it as an entire group we look at them on -on one-on-one matchups and he said I would put our guys against anybody in the league and we think we could win those one-on-one matchups. And clearly they did for the majority of today's game. Yeah, they, they did for sure. And, you know, when you look at uh, Baker performance today, obviously they did a great job in the first half, but in the second half, uh, they had some trouble uh, getting the ball going a little bit. And, 
you know, they struggled moving it early on in the second half, and that's what allowed Miami to sort of get back in the game a little bit. You know, at one point they made it 28-17, to 17, and, you know, they'd struggled to uh, move the football. Baker threw that interception. Uh, they had a couple quick three and outs. So the offense wasn't perfect today. There's definitely some things to build upon, but you could walk out of this game with so many different positives and, um, you know, over the course uh, of the last few games since the bye week, Baker has completed 64% of his passes, which is way up uh, from earlier on in the season. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, and 1,200-plus yards. So he's definitely improved since the bye week. Has he been perfect? No. Are there still timing issues? Yes. It, it's going to... You know, with everything that went on in the offseason, uh, some people missing OTAs, you know, the timing just hasn't been there at times this season. You kind of saw it in the second half, but it is night and day from where we started this season out. Yeah, Baker's definitely turned a corner. The offense has turned a corner. Um, you know, there's obviously some things that they need to work on. Timing's one thing, you know, uh Keeping a rhythm on the play calling is another, but they're winning. I mean, you can't really complain about that at this, at, about things at this, as much as long as we're winning. Um, you know, I think what we were losing, obviously, we wanted to nitpick about everything, but, you know, the team's getting better. I'm seeing improvement to a degree um, of what Freddie's doing in terms of the play calling and, you know, handling everything as a head coach. And, and it, like I said, at the end of the day, the team's winning. I know a lot of people were you know, complaining about stuff and we hung 40 points on a bad team against the second time this season we've hung 40 points on a team. Uh, so there's not too much to complain about. Like, you know, with Baker, obviously the one throw to Beckham was, it was behind Beckham. It was deflected and then it got intercepted. Uh, luckily he threw another interception that wasn't his fault and it got uh, nullified because of a penalty. But yeah, Baker's making strides, the offense is making strides, and we're hitting a stretch now where, you know, Baker can really improve on his stats because, I mean, they're still not perfect, but they're all going in the positive direction, which is encouraging because it means that, you know, Baker's finding out what he was struggling with, and he's definitely made some improvements in that aspect. The thing that has really gotten this Browns offense going is ever since Kareem Hunt has come back, you've seen many different opportunities open up in the running game and in the passing game. And Nick Chubb has been certainly a, a better back uh, since Kareem Hunt has come back. Uh, today he had 106 yards on the ground, a touchdown at the end of the game. He had 58 receiving yards. You know, Chubb is, is really proving that he is one of the top backs in the NFL. And I, I think the addition to Kareem Hunt and the things that he's able to do in terms of when they get him out in motion, defenses respect him and it opens up other lanes for Chubb. So I think the addition of Kareem Hunt has only made Nick, Nick Chubb better. And hopefully as they move on past the season, hopefully they can keep both of these guys here. And obviously Nick Chubb should be the feature back. Yeah, I mean, the addition of Hunt has really helped this offense as a whole. Like, it's keeping everything honest. I think, you know, David Njoku, once he gets back, 
that's even going to keep defenses having to be more off or more honest because you know Najoku, he he's talented. He's going to get his looks, and it's just going to continue to open things up for Beckham and Landry because they're going to have to focus on eighty five once he gets back. But yeah, the addition of Hunt has been phenomenal. It's you know. He's been great as a blocker. They've incorporated him in the receiving game, although today it really wasn't noticeable. He's gotten more, uh, he got more carries today as a runner, and he made the most of it, you know, 37 yards on eight carries. And he's been able to give Chubb a rest, but also hasn't taken away anything from Chubb. Chubb still got his 20 plus carries today. He made the most of that. So, uh, you know, adding another weapon like Hunt has really made this offense click. And obviously it's shown because ever since Hunt's got back, the Browns are 3-0, and and uh, the offenses seem to make strides in that um, as a unit. Yeah, they asked him about that after the game. Uh, you know, what, what do you think about ever since you come back, the Browns are 3-0, and and he just responded no comment uh, with a smile. So and a little bit of laugh behind it. So, you know, you can tell that he's, he's thrilled to be back. Um the addition to him into this offense has opened up so many different avenues for Freddie Kitchens and his play calling. Uh, you mentioned David Njoku, and we'll talk about this next aspect more later this week, but when they go into Pittsburgh next Sunday, they'll have, besides Antonio Callaway, who they traded, they'll have all their weapons available to them in one game. They'll have David Njoku back. They'll have Chubb, Hunt. Odell, Landry, and Higgins. They'll have all those guys available in one game for the first time this season, and it couldn't come at a more crucial time with how this offense is going to have to carry this team now with how many different injuries and suspensions the defense has taken. And, and obviously we'll talk about Miles Garrett later on, but um, you know this defense has taken a, a big hit but the one stalwart of this defense and the man who they need to resign uh, yesterday, Joe Schobert, had two more picks today. You know, he, he is just completely balling out the last two games. He had two picks against the Steelers last week. Uh, he had four passes defensed. Um, he had a sack. Jack, I, I don't know what more superlatives we can put on Joe Schobert but this guy is the heart and soul of this defense, and they really need to get a long-term deal figured out now. Yeah, they really do, because if he keeps up this production, uh, the price is only going to get bigger. And um, I'm with you. They need to sign him like instantly. I mean, he did admit last week that negotiations are ongoing. Obviously, he's like, I'm pretty sure he's letting his agent handle it, but I would like to think because uh, him and Megan have a little one on the way coming in the springtime, he would probably prefer to stay in Cleveland so he doesn't have to uproot the family, especially with a newborn coming. Um, I'm sure he loves it here. You know, he this has been his home since 2016, and he's playing at a high level. Like, he's changed defensive coordinators, I think, every year. Except, well, no. Oh, but... Greg Williams, he's had for multiple years, but he's undergone different defensive coordinators that have utilized him differently, and he has continued to adapt and succeed in no matter what the scheme is. So, you know, for a guy that was an outside linebacker when he came into the league 
and has transformed into the, one of the best middle linebackers in the game. I mean, the Browns would be crazy to let him go at this point. At the beginning of the year, I didn't think it was going to happen, but I think at this point, um, yeah, like you said, he's the heart and soul of the defense. Uh, obviously, they're probably going to have to let a guy like Christian Kirksey go, and that's a shame because he is one of the leaders on that side of the ball, but you can't afford to let number 53 go because you know he's a great tackler, he's a great cover linebacker, you can utilize him as a pass rusher, which they did against Pittsburgh. He's a good all-around football player, and you don't let guys like that walk out the door. If they cannot get a deal done with Joe Schobert, would you franchise him? Last year, the franchise tag for a linebacker was just around $15 million, so it would probably be a little bit more north of that this offseason. Would you do that just so you could figure out the hopes of getting a long-term deal done. Absolutely. You do not let him walk out the door. I don't care if you get a, what would be a third round comp pick. You keep Schobert, you tag him, and then you go from it from there. If you have to pay him $15 million a year, you figure, you figure out all the other stuff after the fact, pay him. Like it's no question at this point. You, you were able to extend Treader. I think you still have like around $50 million or so heading into the offseason. You had the assets to get a deal done. Get a deal done before you even had to consider the franchise tag at this point. I mean, I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure they'll come up with a solution by the end of the year, but they had to get it done quickly because, like I said, he keeps balling. The price tag is going to keep going up for him. Yeah, and you're right. They, they cannot afford to let a player of his caliber walk out the door, you know, they would, you know, a third round comp pick wouldn't even be guaranteed because if they sign somebody uh, in free agency, that comp pick could go away. So, you know, you're not even guaranteed a compensation pick at that point. So they need to resign him. Uh, you know, we've been saying that for a long time. I think the majority of Brown's Twitter uh, has been saying that, you know, I don't know where all these people uh that we're saying Joe Schobert is terrible. I don't know where they've disappeared to, but they seem to have gone away uh, for a while now. Uh, every week he just proves that he's one of the best linebackers in the National Football League. And right now he's putting together a string of games where he is absolutely dominant on defense. He's in the right place at the right time. And you know, After that second interception today, I, I turned to my dad. I'm like, hey, can we use him at tight end? You know? He seems to have a pretty good pair of hands, but uh, I, I think that eventually Joe Schobert and the Cleveland Browns, John Dorsey, they'll get this deal done, and they'll have him long-term here. And he, he's a player who, who plays all out every week and is a guy who you want your entire defense to, to play like. So hopefully they'll get it done. Uh, I'm pretty sure they will. And, you know, after two more interceptions today, We'll see how many more uh, he can pile on uh, as we move on towards the rest of the season. Now, while Schober played well, uh, the defense as a whole uh, gave up a, a lot of chunk plays today. They did give up 24 points to the Miami Dolphins. And the, the couple aspects, that, at least to me, that struggled, uh, Greedy Williams did not have his best game uh, this season. And the the pass rush, and I think that's kind of obvious with Miles Garrett being gone, no Olivier Vernon, no Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, to me, the, the pass rush really struggled to get home today. Uh, 
at least when they rushed floor, when, when they brought extra guys in, uh, they were getting there and, and forcing pressure. But the four guys who, who lined up on a defensive line, uh, when it was just those four rushing, they could not create any pressure today. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the other aspect was they weren't able to contain Fitzpatrick when he was able to scramble. And that's, that was baffling because he's he's 37 years old. He's not really known as a scrambler, but he was the Dolphins' leading rusher today. But um, you know, for the most part, they shut down the run just because Miami doesn't have a strong running game. Uh, their best running back got uh, cut last week because he punched a pregnant girl, which is a whole other subject for another day. Um, like you said, with the pass rush, uh, it was okay. Obviously, Sheldon Richardson, you know, they were lining him up at defensive end. He had a couple sacks. Uh, he played well. Chad Thomas had a couple tackles for a loss. Um, you know, you know, they had to bring in guys in the last couple weeks. Brian Cox. Uh, they called up uh, Porter Gustin, who got his first career sack today. And uh, Brandon Bryant on the practice squad. They had to bring, you know, they obviously had to fill some holes with Ogan Joby out, Vernon still injured, and obviously Miles Garrett suspended, and as he will be the rest of the year. But um, yeah, like you said, if they brought in extra guys, it made the pass rush work. Um, but I don't even feel like they needed to bring in extra guys. I think it just shows the lack of depth up front. You know, it's disappointing that like Devereaux Lawrence, who dominated the preseason, has just been silent all year, like hasn't been able to get anything done. Uh, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this pass rush steps up in the final six weeks. Obviously miles is out. Um, hopefully Vernon gets healthy, you know, Ogan Joby's back next week. So that'll be a boost. And, uh, hopefully Sheldon Richardson keeps performing at a high level. Um, you know, obviously he is becoming a fan favorite more because of his comments post game today, but uh, he had a solid game. You just hope that, you know, guys like Chad Thomas and some of these other young guys. Uh, Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, waiting in the wings could step up and produce because we really need it down the stretch. Yeah, pass rush is one aspect to where uh, we really need these other guys to step up uh, as we move on towards the rest of the season. Obviously, losing, losing Miles is a big deal. And like I said, we'll talk about that more uh, later this week when we talk about uh, the Pittsburgh game next Sunday. But, um, you know, losing him is no easy task to replace. Hopefully, Olivier Vernon uh, is ready to go uh, for next Sunday. Not having him the last three games uh, has been a big blow to this defense. Um, you know, guys like Chad Thomas and, and Brian Cox Jr., uh, Chris Smith, those guys are, are really going to have to step up uh, and, and perform well. Uh, you know, maybe just even be average, um, just so you can force pressure uh, on the opposing teams. Uh, getting Ogan Joby back will be helpful. Obviously, uh, you know, Richardson ha- has been playing so well this season, and you know he doesn't really have the, the stats to show that he's playing well. But he does all the dirty work inside that he doesn't need 
statistics to show that he's playing well. His uh, his statistics are what you see on film and what he's able to do, taking on double teams constantly, uh, clogging up the, the middle of the lane so the linebackers can roam free uh, to the runner. Uh, that's what he does best, and he's done a very good job at that this season. What I think is going to be interesting to see is how they decide they utilize uh, pressure from different areas on the defense. You know, a couple times a day you saw uh, TJ Carey coming on blitz. Um, you know, they were blitzing Mac Wilson a couple times, Taki Taki too. So, you know, these guys, these young players and defensive backs uh, are going to have to step up. And, you know, this defense, you know, took a major blow uh, losing Miles. And, and, and losing another safety as well in Morgan Burnett due to injury. And, and this defense is going to really have to continue to step up, and uh, especially when you have uh, the Baltimore Ravens still on the schedule, uh, Pittsburgh, who struggled to score against Cincinnati today, uh, is left. Uh, you know, there's still some teams that could put up some points. The Arizona Cardinals. Uh, in a couple weeks, that's not going to be an easy task to shut them down. Kyle Murray has been good. So, you know, there's still teams that can put up uh, very good offensive numbers. So this defense is going to have to continue to step up in, in spite of all the losses that they have suffered uh, this season, both from injuries and suspensions. And uh, hopefully as we go through this uh, last string of games here, hopefully this defense can step up. Yeah, definitely. You know, the one uh, encouraging thing about it is, you know, you're playing, you're going up against teams that have bad offensive lines. Arizona's is bad, although Kyler seemed to make it work, and obviously he's got the mobility. Cincinnati has a terrible offensive line. We get them two games. Um, but you do go up against Pittsburgh, who has a solid line, but, you know, the Browns seem to be uh, disruptive against them last week. And then Baltimore, uh, they obviously are solid up front and that's been like the key to their success offensively with uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram among others, but the Browns seem to make it work to get disruptive against them too. So they're going to have to find ways to generate a pass rush. And you've seen it against Pittsburgh. They were using Schobert at times off the edge. Uh, I've talked about it on our dog talk last week on our site you know, why not use Taki Taki? He's a little undersized, and obviously that was why Jannard Avery didn't work here, but he was utilized as a pass rusher at BYU. Like, Steve Wilkes is going to have to dial some stuff up. He's going to have to go in there and just see what can work. Like, if Chad Thomas and Chris Smith aren't generating pass rush, like, use try something to see if it's going to work because we cannot just – hope that oh we'll shut down the run and then not worry about getting after the quarterback like we have to get after the quarterback down the stretch uh, in order to win these games if the back end of the defense Marius Randall, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are able to play well that's only going to help out uh, the pass rush you know at times you can get covered sacks and if those three guys are, are able to keep wide receivers in check it's only going to help out everybody else underneath them. So uh, complimentary football is something that we've preached on this podcast for a very long time. So uh, not only is it just offense and defense complimentary, but the D-line needs to help out the secondary. Secondary needs to help out the D-line. It helps out the linebackers. So uh, they need to get 
uh, all that in check. And I'm sure Steve Wilkes has a plan, and hopefully uh, they're able to perform well as uh, we move on out. Um, Austin Seibert, he has missed three field goals in the last two games. Uh, he did hit uh, two of them today. Uh, are, is, do you have any concern uh, from him as we move on towards the rest of the season here? Try not to, just because the missed field goals are on the one end of the stadium where there's the opening. And obviously we know how the wind swirls. Um, hopefully he's taking the advice that Phil Dawson gave him when Phil Dawson was in camp. Um, get down to the stadium more, I would just say. You know, obviously, you know, the weather is definitely changing here in Northeast Ohio. My advice is Mike Prefer needs to take the kickers down there to the stadium couple times a week if he has to. It's not that far away from Berea. Like, get them down there and let them get practice in that stadium because we know how the wind swirls. Uh, Cybert's been solid all year, so I'm not discouraged yet. Uh, we'll see how he does this weekend in Pittsburgh, but um, I wouldn't, you know, be hitting the panic button on Cybert just yet because I think these are just little hiccups. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about it. You know, we haven't gotten to a point yet this season to where he's had to make a real big pressure kick. Uh, I'm curious if that's going to happen and, and when it happens. I hope it'll perform well, but, you know, when we get to that, we don't really know what we have. But so far this season, as a rookie, he's done very well. So uh, there's definitely definite signs of encouragement. Uh, based on all the panic that we had uh, in the offseason and training camp of who our kicker is going to be and, uh, you know, was it going to be him? Uh, was he going to be able to win the job? Uh, he won the job and he's performed well. So hopefully he can continue to, to kick well. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about too many missed field goals. And hopefully we're not talking about one that uh, cost us the game at some point. Um, the Browns did win today and – there were a, a couple teams that lost that are, are give that have given the Browns an opportunity to get closer to that second wild card spot. I think the the Bills are going to run away with that first one. They're sitting at eight and three right now, but uh, in that sixth spot are the Pittsburgh Steelers at six and five. The Oakland Raiders are six and five. The Indianapolis Colts are six and five. The Tennessee Titans are six and five. And the Cleveland Browns, after winning three straight games, are sitting at five and six. Jack, um, you know the Titans do have the tiebreaker over us, so we have to win two more. Uh, you know, finish one game better than they do. But uh, uh, how realistic are the Browns' opportunities to make the playoffs right now? I mean, obviously they are still in it as it stands right now, but. Like I said prior to the first Pittsburgh game, this upcoming Pittsburgh game is a must-win game for the Browns. Obviously, they win. They're 6-6. Six and six. They win the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. Um, Oakland is a hit-or-miss team every week. Like last week, you know, they look like they had turned the corner. Then they come in, and they laid an egg to the New York Jets. And then, you know, Indy, they're also hit-or-miss. You know, Brissett. Started off the season strong. He's struggled the last few weeks. Obviously, he was hurt as well. Uh, Tennessee, they look like they are trending upward. Ryan Tannehill's been balling. 
Now, obviously, you got the Browns where we're at. We're starting to trend up as well. But unfortunately, like you said, Tennessee has a tiebreaker over us because they beat us in week one. So the, the Browns' chances are still realistic, but they really at this point can't afford to lose another game. They they might be able to lose one more and sneak in as a 9-7 and team potentially. But I would think at this point, 10 wins would be the magic number, which means the Browns have to win out. How likely is that? Uh, not very likely, just because we had to play Baltimore, who's red hot right now. Obviously, Pittsburgh's coming for us after what happened uh, 10 days ago. So all I got to say is take it one game at a time. We're on to Pittsburgh, and we'll see how it goes after that. You know, the thing that really is in favor of the Browns is the one uh, tiebreaker that they use is conference record. Right now, the Browns are five and three in the AFC. Uh, the Raiders are four and three. The Colts are five and five. Uh, the, the, the Titans do have the head-to-head, so they had a tiebreaker there. But the Browns have a better conference record than the Colts and Raiders. And then, if we beat the Steelers on Sunday, we'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker over them as well. So, um, it would come down to pretty much the Browns and Titans. Uh, if the Browns could finish one game better. Then the Tennessee Titans, they could sneak in there as a second wild card team. So there's still a realistic shot, but you're right. Um, Ten days ago, it was a must-win game against the Pittsburgh Steelers to keep the playoff hopes alive. And uh, if the Browns lose against the Steelers, they they would have to win out from there. And that's going to be a tough task with the teams that they have remaining on their schedule. That Arizona game is not going to be easy, even though the Browns are the better team on paper. Um, and, and then the Baltimore game, which is a home game, thankfully. Uh, but, uh, you know, those two games are, are not going to be uh, taken lightly, uh, or at least they shouldn't be. So, uh, and, and you have the Bengals twice. And that last game against the, the Bengals could be tricky because if the Bengals are oh and whatever – Going into that last game, uh, you know they'll be fighting for that for that W. And if the Browns are fighting for a playoff spot going into the last week, uh, things can get very interesting. Uh, you know they played Pittsburgh very tough today at home. Uh, the Steelers ended up benching Mason Rudolph in favor of uh, Devin Hodges. Um, but so ten, uh, Cincinnati has a little bit of fight in them, it, it seemed like, but they just weren't able to get the job done today. Uh, you know, we'll obviously continue to talk more about this. And I think the last thing, Jack, that we wanted to discuss today, well, hold on, before I forget this, because I have seemed to have done it a couple times so far this season, we put up a poll on who your 1085 top dog of the game is. And sitting currently, uh, we only put two options up there. We put Jarvis Landry, who had a monster game, and Joe Schobert, uh, who had two more interceptions. Landry has 76% of the vote. Joe Schobert has 24%. So clearly you all think that uh, Landry had the best game today. And, you know, when you have uh, 10 catches, 148 yards, two touchdowns, uh, that's well-deserved honors uh, for the 1085 top dog of the game. Um, but before we get on here, Jack, what – you know, D. Haslam is somebody who I think is a person who this franchise really needed, and especially with all the stuff that 
Jimmy Haslam went through with the pilot flying J uh, fiasco and the, the FBI and whatnot, D Haslam seems to be the one Jack who has kind of straightened all this out for his organization. And today uh, she was pictured wearing a, a Cleveland Browns hat that had Miles Garrett number on it, number 95 uh, on the hat. What do you take uh, from her support of Miles Garrett uh, by wearing that hat with his number on it? It doesn't surprise me. You know, I mean, everybody seems to be trending to being in Miles' corner with this situation that's obviously continuing to uh, uh, develop with, it seems like each day there's something new. Um, You know, the Haslam's, are very caring, I think, about their players. And I think this is actually an encouraging sign because a lot of people were wondering, like, how's this going to affect Miles' contract status because this offseason he's eligible to get the extension. I think this shows that the Browns are backing Miles 100% through this. Um, Obviously, they're very supportive. If you've seen the team statements uh, with the suspension, obviously it being upheld that they're in Miles' corner. I think this shows that this offseason, if Miles wants to re-up with the Browns, then that contract will get done. I think the Haslam's will do right by Miles. Um, It seems like they will do that for any player uh, in this organization. Um, I just think uh, this is a good sign that, you know, they are sticking behind their players no matter what the incident uh, obviously, they've done that. You know, you've seen how they've given multiple chances to guys like Johnny Manziel, Josh Gordon. Uh, obviously, recently with Antonio Callaway, they've given Kareem Hunt a second chance uh, when not a lot of teams would. You know, the Haslam's are good people. Uh, are they've been the best owners? Absolutely not. I'll be one of the first people to admit that. Um, but it just shows that they are good people. They will stand by them no matter what the incident and they're willing to give people second chances. What do you think the overall, um, or what is your take on the overall impact of what D Haslam has done for this franchise? And, you know, I, I said that she's the hero that this franchise needed. And are you kind of in the same realm as that? Absolutely. Because I think, you know, Jimmy was definitely in over his head when he first took this job. I think he was listening to a lot to what the league was recommending and stuff. And I think D has come in and obviously kept Jimmy level headed. I'm sure there's been times when Jimmy's wanted to blow it up again and D's kind of calmed him down and made sure that they stay the course and stick to a plan. Sometimes that's not the brightest thing. I think, you know, Hugh Jackson was obviously a black eye on the Haslam's for allowing him to get a third season when, after a 1-31 in mark, regardless of the talent on the roster, uh, if you couldn't see that he wasn't working out as a head coach. But, you know, they made that mistake. They swallowed it. They owned it. And, obviously, they've righted that ship with, uh, you know, trusting John Dorsey, although he hasn't been perfect either. But it seems like the organization's heading in a better direction. And ever since D has stepped in more, um, it seems to be heading in that positive direction. Uh, upswing you know they they've done um you know like you mentioned they have not been the best owners but they have been 
doing good things for his community, and I think D Haslam is the main driving force behind that. Uh, you know, they made that big donation to the Cleveland Orchestra and, and the, the school programs this uh, just before the season. Uh, they've done a lot uh, financially for the city uh, in different aspects. Uh, they've been trying their darnest to bring a winning football team here. Uh, have they gone about it in the best way? Probably not. But they've done uh, a good job of uh, spending money uh, when they've needed to uh, on and off the field. And I think as uh, the years go by, uh, you know, I, I remember – in their uh, introductory press conferences, I can't remember who said it, whether it was Jimmy Haslam or, or if it was D Haslam, that said that we're, we're going to live here. You know, we, we want to do things for our community, and uh, I think they've done a good job of that. And uh, I'm just very happy with what uh, D has been able to do for his franchise. I, I think she's kind of stabled it, and hopefully these things can continue and hopefully we do get that winning football team, uh, that they promised us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're on our way. Uh, there's still a lot of work to do, but those two people and especially D are are not going to stop working uh, until it happens. So, uh, there's credit to be had, uh, on their part. Um, you know, they have gotten things wrong, but those two have, done as best as they could, especially with being new owners, uh, to, to bring a winner here. and uh, Hopefully we see the fruits of that uh, sometime soon. Jack, as we get out of here, anything else? I almost forgot. Today's win was finally the 100th win for the Browns since 1999. So I just wanted to add that in. Um, should have happened a long time ago, but they finally hit the century market victory since 99. I saw that stat today, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, with how much losing football that we've seen uh, over the years, I, I guess it's not too surprising. Uh, I, I did see that number today, and I, I'm just, I just looked at it, and I'm like, wow. I, I, I'm shocked it took this long. But uh, hopefully within the next, uh, let's say, six years, seven years, we can double it. How does that sound? 200 wins in the next seven years. Sound good? Uh, they can't. Uh, from 100. Oh, they'd so have to go one, like. From they'd have to, to go like. They'd have to go like undefeated like six straight years. That I mean, obviously, I'd take that, but how likely is that, Anthony? Well, let's see. Seven times 16 would be. A 112. 112 plus yeah. playoff victories. <laughs> eh. All right, maybe, maybe. I think it. I think it's time for you to go to bed. All right, let's settle for doubling it within the next decade instead of seven years. We'll, we'll I can live. I can live, live with that. that. Okay. Let's hey, let's just get through Pittsburgh first. That's a very good point and fantastic segue by you because we will be back later this week to uh, break down all the stuff that happened uh, in the Pittsburgh game ten days ago uh, since we weren't able to do anything last week and we'll preview the game. Uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, so we will talk about everything Pittsburgh uh, later on this week. Um, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. You guys can follow Jack on Twitter at jmccurryfcle. Follow me on Twitter at anthonyjoki. Follow the podcast uh, website at, at the Dogland on Twitter. You can find the podcast on every platform. 
that has podcasts, uh, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. With all that, we're going to get on out of here, closing out this victory pod with, most importantly, Go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.